Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. Good morning, everybody. So Dick and I are going to do something a little different today. Thank you for being with us. We're going to talk about how Jesus is recognized in New Thought, what Christ consciousness is, and um, we're going to see what insights we can get from my recent trip that I took to Israel and how we can apply some of those to our lives back here. So just to start off, I'll tell you a little bit of my background briefly. So 22 years ago, I started my spiritual journey at Agape down in Los Angeles with Dr. Reverend Michael Beckwith. He's my spiritual guru. Um, and it was there that I became a licensed spiritual practitioner and, or, and an ordained minister. And I just moved here about a year and a half ago. It was at Agape where I learned that God is all that there is the one mind, one power, one presence, that nothing exists outside of God. It's not something that I believe. It's something that I know. It's just the truth that God is real and nothing exists outside of God. And I know that we are each unique and divine emanations of pure spirit and that we're here to fulfill our potential to the fullest so that we can walk here in the brightest light that we are. And I feel that that's why we are here is to do that so that God can operate in, through, and as us in this realm. So that's something beautiful and that's where I come from and that's my knowingness. Then, when I think of how Jesus is in my science of mind teachings, my personal understanding at the time, through my, through my years there, was that we're all about Jesus' teachings, but we're not about Jesus. So science of mind, when people would ask, science of mind, what is that, Scientology? What are you, Jesus freaks? I'm like, it's not Scientology. It's not about Jesus. We're about Jesus' teachings, but we're not about Jesus. It was really important for me to distance myself from that. But I never had any religion before agape, so I didn't know that you know there was positive things or negative things about Jesus. I just knew that we were about Jesus' teachings, not about Jesus, which is really interesting. And I was also surrounded by a lot of people in all centers for spiritual living and agape just throughout my journey who were considering themselves recovering Catholics, and they were trying to undo the Jesus. So that was my experience. So your experience might be very different than, than that, but that's my experience. So even when Kevin said this morning, oh, she's going to think I'm a Jesus freak, that's exactly what I would always think. I'm like, oh, I don't want people to think I'm a Jesus freak. It's not about Jesus. It's about God's love and Jesus' teachings. So I want to say that to preface what happened when I went on my trip to Israel because it was very different for me because I came from a different place of even knowing or understanding Jesus. In New Thought, we're taught that Jesus is the master teacher, that he is the great example, not the great exception. Those were always hand in hand with me. He's the great example, not the great exception, meaning that we are all able to live in that same consciousness of love, light, compassion, forgiveness, understanding, all those beautiful qualities that we have of it. And so it's from that place that we learned about Christ consciousness. So Jesus, the person, is different than Christ consciousness. And my understanding is that Christ consciousness is being able to walk in the light of knowing your divinity, 
of knowing God in every moment. So I would always think the more I can walk in God consciousness, the more I'm reminded, the more I'm connected, and the more that life flows beautifully for me. Um, Dick, do you want to say something about Christ consciousness in Jesus before I jump into my big story about Israel? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> she does have a wonderful story. Um, I, I, I think it's important to realize that uh, for us, Jesus is a teacher, not a guru. We honor gurus by worshiping them and adoring them for who they are. We honor teachers by learning from them and applying the truth and wisdom that they impart to us. Very important distinction. And if we review the material that we have available to us in the Gospels and the non-canonical writings as well, in no place do we see Jesus saying, worship me. But in many, many places we see him saying, follow me. It's a lot more difficult to follow someone and apply the wisdom they're sharing than it is to put them on a pedestal, worship, adore them, and then go on about our business. <laughs> and whenever Jesus had, a, had a, an event with people, he often would end it by saying things like this, go thou and do likewise, mm. or he who has ears, let him hear. Teachers are honored because we are willing to become the kind of person they want us to be. No teacher, and I know there's some teachers among you, would want your students to be dependent upon you for the rest of their lives. Rather, you try to impart for them the things that are necessary for them to rise up and fulfill the potential that they have. And that's the way we see Jesus as the teacher. So fast forward my 22 years, I decide to go to Israel. And I had such an amazing experience that Reverend Jane wanted me to share it all with you. So I wanted to go on a solo spiritual journey, ask my husband, like, I just want to go by myself. He's like, yeah, go, have a great time. So I went for 17 days, and I just really thought I would see some interesting biblical sites, and it would be interesting and kind of see what it's like, and people say, oh, the Holy Land, you're going to feel differently and everything. And the interesting thing, now remember, I was always distancing myself from Jesus, so I'm not showing up being like, oh, I can't wait to see where Jesus did this or that at all. I was just like, oh, you know, God's everywhere. And while I was there, though, there were some moments where my heart just cracked open like cracked open and those were the words that like came to me on those days and so I felt the closest to God that I have throughout my entire spiritual journey from being in some of these special places so the first one I want to tell you about is um, Nazareth so um, any of you who've been to Israel who know, which I didn't know until I got there, was that the cities are built on top of cities, are built on top of cities. They just kind of built on top of them. So there's excavations happening all over Israel. So whenever you go to a site, you're always walking down a bunch of steps, always walking down a bunch of steps. So we show up, and 
It's Nazareth. And it looks like a big, pretty church on the outside. I'm outside taking selfies. Woohoo, I'm at Nazareth. See what it's going to be like on the inside. I'm like, well, whatever. Come on, let's go do this, right? I'm just happy-go-lucky, hanging out in Israel. <clears throat> and lo and behold, I, um, so I start walking down the steps. And, you know, you're kind of walking. You don't really know where you're going to go see. And I get to the floor of where we're going, and it was probably about three times the size of this room, maybe five times the size of this room. And where we were going was all the way at the end, but as soon as I got to the floor of where it was, I, like, fell to my knees in prayer. And tears just started streaming down my face. And the thing that came through me, which was so powerful... It was just God's love, God's light, God's glory, God's grace, God's grace, God's love, God's glory, God's light. And I couldn't say it as quickly as it was coming through me. It was the most powerful thing that has happened to me. And tears were just streaming down my face. Okay, I'm not even by it yet. Remember, it's all the way over there. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a lot that's about to happen. And so I get up and I slowly go over there. And as soon as I got there, I just had this revelation of... There are these, you know, three walls that they have that the Byzantines kept memorialized. They remember where it was. That Mary and Joseph really lived there. And for the first time ever, I realized that they were people. That it wasn't just like stories in the Bible. And that they actually lived there, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And it just overcame, it overwhelmed me with emotion. And then my prayer shifted to just, thank you, God. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. Because I felt like Joseph got the short end of the stick. I was like, he was there, right? Joseph was there too. So, and, you know, and thank you, Jesus and stuff also. But Joseph was really big for me. And it was just so interesting to stand there where I felt like they really were. And I know there's questions of, we don't know if these are exact sites or not, but I got to tell you, when I was there, it felt like, oh my God, they lived here. I came back up from where it was, and I stood up the top again, and I went down on my knees again, and I was just praying, and I was just letting it come through. I wasn't able to leave. Like, God was not letting me leave. God was like, we're going to be here. You and I, we're going to chill here, and you're going to feel this. And so I did, but then the tour left without me, and a, a husband of a wife had to come back and get me, and he was like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> it's really overwhelming. Which is interesting, because I'll come back to the Israel story, but for a second, when Dick and I were talking about it yesterday, it's like, you know, not everyone on the tour had the same feelings that I did at the different sites. And he said so eloquently, he's like, you know, two people can walk by the exact same situation. One has an insight, one does not. As simple as that. And so... As I move forward to the next day, just keeping that in mind, as I move forward to the next day, we're at the Sea of Galilee. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great, Sea of Galilee. <laughs> Sounds interesting. I know Jesus ministered around here. You know, that would be nice. going to be on a boat. So <clears throat> we get on this boat. And all of a sudden, I'm on the waters. And I could just sense that... Jesus was here. Now, remember, I'm not a Jesus freak, and I'm not like, whoa, this is where it all happened. But I got to say, being on that boat, 
I just looked out of the waters. I looked at the shores, and I'm like, I, he was here at so many different times in his ministry, and this is where he came, and, and he preached and stuff like that. And it just resonated with me at such a deep level where I was crying again. And again, people on the tour are like, oh, my God, Jill's crying the whole way. I'm like, I might cry through this whole tour now, I'm realizing, right? <laughs> so I'm the crying one. But, <laughs> but it was interesting because as I felt this, it also made me realize for the first time ever is that regardless of what people think of Jesus, what I thought of Jesus, oh, he's the Messiah. He is not the Messiah. He is a preacher. No, he's a teacher, and he's this, he's that, he's that. It didn't matter to me at all. It just mattered that the whole world was changed. The whole world was changed by his existence and by his presence of just walking this path right here. And as we know today, I looked it up that Christianity is the biggest religion in the world. It's 35% of the entire world population consider themselves Christians, which is 2.2 billion people. So being at the Sea of Galilee, being at Nazareth, and I'm going to share with you three other places, but it made me realize that from these places that the world was completely changed because of Jesus. And that's what cracked my heart open so widely. Um, do you want to touch on anything before I move on to my thing? Sure. <laughs> well, one of the criticisms we sometimes get in New Thought is our uh, other folks will say, well, you guys uh, don't acknowledge the divinity of Jesus. And my response is, we certainly do. In fact, we take it more seriously, perhaps, than you. Because um, it's a because competition. Because we recognize... <laughs> <laughs> we recognize that everyone is divine, is a combination of divine and, and human, and that uh, he calls not so much attention to his own divinity as he calls attention to ours and challenges us to rise up and express our God-given abilities and become who we are. And this is the kind of thing that I think you were, you were experiencing in that touching of those special places and allowing that awareness to, to bring up within you the, the acknowledgement of your own spiritual identity. Uh, and someone once said, well, gee, if God is everywhere, why is it that the Holy Land or these special places like where Jill was, where Jesus walked and talked, why is it that people have these powerful experiences there and we don't sitting around our kitchen table if we say God is everywhere? Is there more God in one place than another? I think not. But I think the distinction is we're open and aware to possibilities. And Joe went with an open heart. And as a result of that open heart, spirit was able to fill and impact her in a powerful way. And so to me, if we have an open heart, we can see and experience the reality of God anywhere and everywhere. It's really, as Jesus would say, up to us up to us. Mm -hmm. It's like when I've traveled anywhere, whenever I go anywhere new, I always want to find the oldest church. I just do. I always want to find the oldest church. And when I walk in, the reason why I love that is because I can feel 
the thousands and thousands and thousands of prayers that have happened in these walls. And it's not the building necessarily, but it's the energetic vibration that is held within those walls that have happened. And I feel people's grief and their sorrow and their sadness and their celebrations and their love through all of their prayers. And I feel that energy continues, you know, as we, as we can feel that. So I, that's also something that I love to do is going to those churches. And I think that's a similar thing of when we were talking about these specific places I went to in Israel. Well, is it really the exact place or is it the energetic field that people all come to because it was designated as that exact place? And I don't know, but I know there's the energy about it that happened. So on my day off from a tour, I was wandering around, and there was a church that we went to on the tour, and I was like in that area, and I looked over to the left, and a word said grotto, and I'm like, oh, there's something over there. Some people are going there. And I walked in, and you know, you go down, of course, everything's going down. I'm walking down, and it's um, Mother Mary's tomb. And I didn't even know we had Mother Mary's tomb. I'm like, oh my God, Virgin Mary's tomb. So I go down, and there's all these beautiful, like little chandelier lights and stained glasses hanging from all the ceiling. And it's only probably twice the size of this. And um, again, I was just overcome with emotion. And I just thought of Mary being the mother of Jesus, and that she was a real live human being here also. And I went up and I prayed by the tomb. Again, God's life, God's grace, God's glory, God's light. That just pummeled through me. And then I came out and I couldn't leave. I had to stay. And I was just watching people come and go. I sat on the steps. I prayed more on the steps. I went back up to her tomb, came around, and I just was taking it all in, which is why I'm so glad I went on a solo spiritual journey. Because whoever I was with, it would have shifted it a little bit for me. And this way, I got to experience it completely however I wanted to. So as I'm walking out of Mother Mary's tomb, area. I'm going up the steps, and I get to the top, and some people are kind of curving around this little path, and I'm thinking, I, I, I just had an amazing experience. I'm not going to curve down that little path, and then God kind of said, oh, let's curve down that path. Let's, let's go down there. I'm like, all right. I'm like, because I just had some amazing experience, so I curve down this little path, and I go in, I go, go down the steps again, going down the steps, and it's like a cave, and very small. I would say just about as big as where we are here, not including the stage even, like that small. And this is where um, Jesus would, when he came to Jerusalem, he would come with his disciples and meet and pray in this exact place. And this is also the exact place where Judas betrayed him and kissed him and Jesus was taken away. Happened right there. And so again, I was just overcome with emotion of like the power and the mysticism of it. And the thing I got so clearly was I was the gratitude that came through me. I was like, thank you, Judas. Thank you, Judas. Thank you, Judas. Thank you, Judas's mother. Thank you, Judas's mother. Because I was thinking of the pain that the, that Judas's mother went through knowing that Judas was there. And I was grateful for Judas because, as we know, we wouldn't have the story of the resurrection and everything, whether it's a story, whether it's real, it doesn't matter. We wouldn't have it without Ju Judas's betrayal. So I was so filled with gratitude there also. Um, so again, just grateful for all of that and grateful for Judas's mother. Like, where did that come from? It was just such a sweet thing that I like got to bring her into my field of prayer. So that was really lovely. And then the, the last place that I just want to mention on my trip when I was there was um, 
going down Via Della Rosa where Jesus carried his cross and there's 12 different stations, which I didn't even know there were 12 stations, honestly. And then I learned that there. I'm like, okay, we got to stop at each one. Well, one of the stations was where, um, identified as where Mother Mary saw him as he was walking with his cross. And I had such sadness. I had such sadness thinking of her watching her son going to his destiny and knowing that he was possibly going to change the world also. And so I stayed there, and I was just praying and just praying and stuff also. And the interesting thing is that I've had all these amazing revelations and deepenings and these powerful, and I will use the word magical. It felt magical and mystical that it's hard to put into words, um, but Reverend Jane really wanted me to explain it to you. But the thing is, is that I had these experiences and like Bethlehem was great and Jesus' tomb was great. There were a lot of other ones also. But one of the things I realized I was sharing with Dick yesterday was that after these experiences, it was one afternoon and I just came to a place where I was like, all right, I'm going to do one of my prayer, just going into my own traditional prayer. You know, God is, I am, we are. That is the beginning of almost every prayer. And I, and I started off, God is all there is. God is, I, and as soon as I tried saying, I am, it was like, uh-uh-uh-uh, this is not about you right now. This is not about me. It was so big, and it was supposed to be, and I know that I'm one with God. I know that you're all one with God. I know we're all connected, absolutely. But sitting there in the presence and the feeling of so much power of God, so much connection and awareness that I had that I never had to that degree, it wasn't about me, and I wasn't allowed. And I'm going to say that I wasn't allowed to say I am. It was God is. God is great. God is good. God is love. God is light. And I really learned something in that moment, just like, you know what? This is about me being as minuscule as possible so I could feel the power and the presence in the biggest way that I ever have. So it was shocking to me, because we're always God is, I am, we are. And so, and it doesn't take it away from that knowingness. It doesn't take it away from that knowingness. But it was something that was very, very instrumental in my opening and my awareness. And it was really that my heart just cracked open. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you. One of the things that I felt listening to you and remembering from my own experiences is that perhaps the most important thing Jesus did teach us is that the best way to experience the divine, what we call God, is through another human being. We can experience God in the beauty of nature. We can experience God in music and art and all those wonderful things. We can experience God in the sacred spaces of but the way that God comes through most powerfully for us is through other human beings. Mm -hmm. Because how else can you understand the concept of love without another human being? And so the difference between Jesus and us is what I like to say, one of degree, not essence. We're the same as he is, but he knew who he was, mm -hmm. and he expressed who he was. We do that sometimes, sometimes not. But the best way I think we experience and understand what is God all about, what does spirit really mean, 
is through our relationships with other human beings. And to the extent that we're able to be open and loving, God becomes real for us, just as you were sharing. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's one of the great things about this community. People walk in the door and they say, I experienced mm -hmm. the love you people share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the reasons we're here. Because we know that to come to terms with that divine reality we call God, we have to encounter other human beings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the trick for me is how do I remember and stay inspired the way I was back there over here in my daily routine, taking out the garbage, making soup, shoveling snow, right? How do I remember? How do I take that with me? And how can I be inspired by the little things, right? Because we want to put it onto the little things. So how can I walk in God consciousness more often? For years and years, every once in a while, when I realize I'm like slipping a little bit, I just put a little G on the base of my thumb. I just write a little G. I've done it for probably 30 years. Well, I guess more than 22 years because it's when I started. And, every, and then as I'm walking through my day, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, right. Oh, right. Thank you, Thumb, for reminding me about God. But, but that's, that's what I would do just to help me trigger my mind and to remember my divinity because I can remember my divinity no matter what I'm doing. So it comes down to my spiritual practice, right? So for me, it's prayer and meditation and visioning. And Reverend Michael would always say that meditation is the divine technology of transformation. And the more we meditate, the more we're connected and we can remember. So how was your spiritual practice? Do you remember to pray every morning? Or are you, are you waking up and are you meditating to start your day? Are you praying for your loved ones, the people who are happy, the people who are ill? How much are we spreading God's love and light and joy with each other as we see it through each other? And as Dick said, as we walk through here, people feel it in the walls, in the energy of love, right? It's that love. One of my um, favorite sayings is, um, keep fresh before me my moments of high resolve. And that's a big thing in ministerial school. Keep fresh before me my moments of high resolve. And now I just have a new high moment of, of high resolve from being over there in the Holy Land and feeling it. So how can I keep that fresh before me? And I think my answer is through my daily practice. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing your inspiration and your experience with us. It, when, when one of us is so inspired, it helps the rest of us, right? <laughs> yes, and so we're, we're grateful that you were willing to share. and. Hopefully we can all commit in a deeper way to be conscious of the divine at all times and to improve our spiritual practice so that God becomes a consistent reality instead of just like fish are in water but they're not aware of the water. Mm -hmm. We're in the midst of God. Let's be aware of God. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.